Hi there. Welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham. Thank you for joining me for a few minutes for this week's Sunday School lesson. We're in the book of Romans. We're continuing a multi-week study into the life and teachings of the Apostle Paul. Paul, the writer who is responsible for most of the New Testament and whose ideas about religion, about God, form so much of the basis of our beliefs in Christianity. We started back on the road to Damascus as Jesus appeared to Paul to tell him to stop persecuting the Christians. And Paul accepts this. The uh, teachings of Jesus become a part of what he is about. But his fervent devotion to wanting to serve God, that continues. But of course, the way in which he does it has changed quite a bit. The last couple of weeks, we've been in the book of Romans. Now, this is the letter that Paul wrote to a church where he had never been before. He would eventually end up in Rome. We know from the book of Acts that he would be heading in that direction, that he would spend some time there under house arrest as a prisoner, and quite possibly, we believe, that's the last place he ever was, that he was probably martyred in the city of Rome. But today we're going to be looking again at the book of Romans, and we're going to be looking at some of the deepest theology that Paul uh, ever expressed in any of his writings. But I want to try to simplify a little bit. I, I certainly have to simplify some of these ideas in order to get some appreciation for what he's talking about. Now, some of you may remember as a child reading the little books, the magazines, Adventures for Kids, things like that. There were a couple of cartoon characters that I was thinking about as I was reading uh, these particular verses of Paul. There were Goofus and Gallant. Now, if you ever remember Goofus and Gallant, they were two young boys. And Goofus, as you can tell by his name, uh, often personified bad behavior. And then Gallant, uh, don't know if it's his brother, friend, whatever, uh, they looked a lot alike, so there might have been some familial contact there. Anyway, Gallant was always showing good behavior. So, for instance, Goofus might demand that his father give him a pencil right now, where Gallant would say, please, Dad, may I have a pencil? So, the contrast between bad behavior, good behavior, is an easy way to start learning the proper way to behave. Now, Paul is going to contrast two different ways of living. The way that he had lived up until his experience on the road to Damascus, he had believed very strongly in the law, the law that God gave to human beings through Moses, the law that had sustained his people for so many generations. But the law was a pretty tough thing. The law held very high standards, and frankly, human beings oftentimes could not live up to that. Paul contrasts the life under the what he's considered to be the oppression of the law with the life of the Spirit. This is what Jesus brought into the world. This is what Jesus taught, an, an internalization of the attitude of God, the attitude that God wanted human beings to have, but were the attitude that was always in conflict with the sinful nature of people. Well, this is a, a very simplified look a very simplified introduction to the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. We're going to be going through the first 11 verses of that chapter today. 
Paul has mentioned the Spirit a couple of times already prior to this in the book of Romans, but in the next few verses, he's going to talk about the Spirit 20 times. Uh, And so obviously that clearly is the theme of what he's talking about here. Now the Spirit of God, we as Christians personify the Spirit of God as part of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is mentioned from the very beginning of the book of Genesis. It's the Spirit of God, the breath of God that hovers, that broods over the chaos that God has created before things are set in order. The Spirit is also mentioned in other places as being the guiding force behind the various prophets. In the New Testament, the concept of the Spirit is very clear. It's the presence of God. It's the thing that Jesus leaves behind to help guide Jesus' disciples after Jesus has left the earth. So our concept of the Holy Spirit has um, continued to increase over these years. And Paul talks about the life in the Spirit, the contrast to life under the law. Those are the two things he's going to show us, the positive side of one, the negative side of the other. We're going to begin reading with the first verse of the 8th chapter of Romans. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, the idea of condemnation, the idea that God is our enemy, that we are somehow going against God, this has been uh, part of the problem with humanity from the very first, when sin separated Adam and Eve from their close intended relationship with God. Sin has been the barrier, and sin has condemned us. Sin is the thing that makes us unworthy, unfit to be with God in the way that God intended for this to happen. But Christ Jesus, through the Spirit, has brought us a lifestyle, an ability to live without condemnation. Verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, The law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life, these are Jesus' teachings, the way Paul looks at it. And the law of sin and death, that's the Mosaic law, the old law that he had experienced in the first part of his life. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man, to be a sin offering. So the real weakness of the law wasn't in the law itself, it was in human nature. People trying to live up to something that they were incapable of doing. So every year, people had to go, uh, they had to offer animal sacrifices, they had to go through a lengthy process of getting forgiveness for the things that they did because of the nature of who they were. If the story of Adam and Eve tells us anything, it's that sin is inevitable. It's built in. It's part of our DNA. It's part of the way humans live. We have a willfulness, uh, a tendency to go in that direction. The law couldn't get rid of that. But Jesus, through his sacrifice, has indeed made it possible to live without the condemnation, to be not to have sin, which is still part of life, but not counted against us at every turn. In order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fully met in us, who 
who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So basically, it's a way of looking at life. It's a way of considering what it is God wants us to do. It's a a lifestyle. So even though he calls it the law of the Spirit, another translation might be the principle, the, the, the way that a person lives his or her life in the Spirit is fundamentally different from the way that a person lives if that person is living under the law. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Once again, Paul sets up this very strict contrast. Sin leads to death. So the life under the law is the life that is still dominated by, still ruled by the sinful nature, and that leads towards death. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So here we have the dichotomy. Here we have the real problem. People who want to try to serve God, people whose desire is that way, but also whose sinful nature keeps weighing them down. Paul sees what Jesus is offering as being the way to get away from that. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit if the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, once again, this is part of what's happening in the New Testament. The Spirit is left behind behind by Jesus. The Spirit is imparted to the believers, first from the apostles' hands, and then from the hands of those who come after them. And this essential indwelling of the Spirit is considered to be part of what has to happen for a human being to live this sinless life that Paul is talking about, that the apostles have been talking about. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So the Spirit of Christ, the attitude of Christ, trying to live the Christian way, this is what he is saying is essential. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Once again, Paul is drawing this very strict contrast between living under the law and living in the spirit. Now, once again, these verses that we're talking about here, this is part of Paul's very deep theological thought. Much can be said about this. You can read this many more times for yourself. But the essential contrast is what he sets up here and continues to set up to show how he thinks that this life in the Spirit is preferable, is better than living according to a set of rules and regulations that are so difficult human beings have trouble even dealing with them. Let's conclude with a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. Thank you so much for giving us the possibility of living the life of the Spirit. 
Help us to find that life in you and help us to share it with others this week. In Christ's name, amen.